Hello and welcome. Today, we are talking about the necessity to correctly understand and embody biblical masculinity. This is the Cut in the Dry here on TLG Radio, and I'm your host, Kip Mock, here with my co-host, Isaac Lopez. Good to have you back, Isaac. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long while. <laughs> yeah, but we've had a good month, a little bit of a break, um, and we're excited to get back to it. Absolutely. We're going to jump right into Indubitable. Uh, Fittingly, we're talking about the word masculinity yes. in, in Indubitable today. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start with the world's definition, okay. which I pulled from Wikipedia. Always um, a good go-to. Well, I think it actually is because yeah. it's open source. And no, the, I, I meant that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from Wikipedia, masculinity is a set of attributes, behaviors, and roles associated with men and boys. Although masculinity is socially constructed, Research indicates that some behaviors considered masculine are biologically influenced. To what extent masculinity is biologically or socially influenced is subject to debate. So, I mean, the the big thing that jumps out at you is the claim that masculinity is socially constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, it's interesting that they actually do give a caveat that some behaviors considered masculine are are biologically right. influenced. Um, but it, it's made very clear in the definition mm. that it, it's a social construct. Masculinity doesn't exist right. in uh, within natural law, within how God created the mm. world. Um, so what I propose as the biblical definition uh, taken from my pastor, the joyful assumption of the sacrificial responsibilities that God assigned to men. Um, and <laughs> fun fact here, I attempted to modify Wikipedia's definition of masculinity <laughs> to what I just read, and uh, it was deleted and I was banned within 30 <laughs> seconds. So that didn't work out, but it was the a system, fun experiment. The system found you out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. Um, it was actually a real person that like deleted really? it and banned me. Wow. It's like... What kind of person are you that you like are watching the masculinity page on Wikipedia? That Probably paid closely. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anywho, um, so the joyful assumption of the sacrificial responsibilities that God assigned to men, um, and because the church as a whole has botched this so badly, right. particularly in the last fifty years or so, I think this definition bears some fleshing out. So let me start with what I don't mean by that definition. Okay. So I do not mean the, in air quotes, servant leadership or leading from behind or, yes, dear, that's exactly what I was going to suggest, mm-hmm. leadership, <laughs> right. that churches have been chanting for the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're doing this in an effort to not give off the impression that you know toxic masculinity exists right. within their ranks. Congratulations. <laughs> You've created a church full of men that, by and large, couldn't find their own testicles. I use this somewhat vulgar metaphor wholly intentionally because servant leadership as preached by the modern church is an emasculating lie. I want to add a caveat here Mm -hmm. because that was a little bit on the nose. I am not saying that servant leadership properly defined and understood is a false understanding of what it is to be a man. And we're actually going to explain that a little later on. However, the phrase has been butchered so thoroughly by those who do not understand true godly mm-hmm. masculinity right. that I, I think it's pretty much no longer useful to use that phrase okay. when you're yeah. talking about leadership. So it, 
if that makes sense, that's that's what I don't mean by mm. sacrificial assumption of responsibility. I don't Absolutely. mean what the church uh, understands as servant leadership. What do I mean by my definition of masculinity? To explain this, I'll turn to the example of manhood that all of us are commanded to follow. First mm. Peter 2.21 tells us, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Christ embodied true masculinity, Mm -hmm. and not to ignore all of the many aspects of masculinity, but to attempt to paint a broad picture of true masculinity, I'm going to juxtapose two different and seemingly contradictory traits of masculinity that Christ exemplified for us. So the first of those traits of masculinity is the glad assumption of the lowliest and most humble service. The second aspect is firm and decisive leadership. So let's start with uh, glad assumption of the lowliest service. And I'm going to use two passages here. The first is uh, John 13, 3 through 16, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Isaac, do you want to read through verse 11? Sounds good. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This passage is fantastic Mm -hmm. because it, within this passage, you see those two traits I, I brought up just a few minutes ago, right. you see taking up the lowliest task, washing mm-hmm. the disciples' feet, um, and you also see decisive leadership. When he, uh, in the beginning of the passage, uh, this scene is prefaced by Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands right. and that he had come from God and was going back to God, did this, mm-hmm. right? So you see that, and then when, when he gets to Peter, <laughs> you see him leading Peter very directly and telling him, no, this is what's about to happen. This is why it's about to happen. Mm. Shut up and listen. And then at the end of this passage, he makes it very clear that, yes, I am your Lord and teacher. Mm. You are not greater than me, but you ought to follow me. Mm -hmm. And so throughout this entire passage, you see both of these traits juxtaposed. Right. So is there anything you want to add to that, Isaac? Um, no, I, I think it's very similar to his uh, engaged 
uh, engagement with John the Baptist when he is baptized by John. Mm. And John says, I ought to be baptized by you, but Jesus said to fulfill all scriptures, Mm -hmm. to fulfill the authority, um, and to fulfill the prophecy. So he understood the greater context. And even though, yes, he did come down to lay down his life for us, he he also knew that he was endowed with an authority that no one else on earth had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I think everything else that he said was spot on there. Yeah. So the second, the second passage um, is Matthew 26, 36 through 46. And we're, we're reading um, where, where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. struggling with uh, what is, what has been set before him. Right. So, starting in verse 36, Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Hmm. So in this passage, we see a, a, a couple things. Beyond, beyond the point that I'm trying to get at, there's one other thing that I want to point out in this passage, which is um, the, the final example, uh, or one of the other examples of a trait of masculinity right. that I think is really important for men to grasp, which is... Uh, you see in this passage, you see Jesus leading the disciples and teaching mm-hmm. the disciples, and you also see him submitting to the Father. Right. Which is exactly right. what men are called to do. We're called mm-hmm. to authority in the sphere that we have been given authority. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, that will at least be marriage, potentially right. somewhere in the workplace, potentially in the church itself. Mm-hmm. So you have you have people that are your responsibility right. under your authority, but every single man is beholden to uh, usually other human authorities, mm-hmm. um, and we, we ought to respect those. Romans makes that clear when it comes to the government, right? and Hebrews makes that clear when it comes to the church authority. But ultimately, we also have to submit to God, just as right. Christ did um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. So that wraps up this, this first aspect of, right. of this trait of biblical masculinity, mm-hmm. that is the ultimate sacrifice, the the ultimate assumption of sacrificial right. responsibility, submission to the authority that is over us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, oh, do you mind if I jump in real quick? No, go I mean, for it. So, I mean, just going back to the whole idea of servant leadership, there is an idea in, uh, th- there is a very strong ideal in scripture where we are called to lay down our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been completely skewed in the last 50 years, and it's meant completely, something completely different that's more emasculating than actually um, masculine. Right. And and I think it's very masculine to die to self. Right. Because um, you are called to submit 
right? You were just saying you're, yeah. there are authorities that are put above you, um, and you aren't just going to be some redneck that doesn't respond to anyone. Yeah, right? we're, we're we're not saying masculinity mm-hmm. is being a macho man, right. right? Right. And and we keep saying you know servant leadership as preached by the church is emasculating. What we mean by that is servant leadership as defined by the church removes authority from men mm-hmm. right. and tells you to just submit. Right. That's 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 not what men are called mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> right. We are Amen. not called to uh, submit to um, everything mm-hmm. and act like a doormat, let everything run over us. Right. Um, and, and, and you see in these passages potentially some reasoning behind why the church would teach that because mm-hmm. it, Jesus who has all authority right. is submitting uh, to mm-hmm. our God and Father. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's how you ought to act to your boss when he tells mm-hmm. you to stop acting like a Christian. Right. That doesn't mean you ought to submit to your wife just because you want to avoid uh, a difficult conversation yeah. right. and a confrontation. You are called to exercise authority in right. those scenarios. And that leads... Into, into the second aspect of biblical masculinity that Christ exemplifies. Um, this, this comes from John 2, uh, verses 14 through 19. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. So in this passage, we see a couple things. First of all, we see Christ being... uh, being what you might think of as a abrasive mm-hmm. masculine man right um, and and he's not he's not thoughtless he's not macho right. you know he he sees this happening in the temple courts and he pauses and takes the time to form a whip mm-hmm. right right <laughs> so he, it's it's intentional it's thoughtful it's authoritative mm-hmm. and he's questioned on his authority and he gives the basis for it. Right. He says, right. What, what, what authority do you have to do this? The Jews ask him. He says, well, destroy this temple. I'll raise yeah. it again in three days. Right. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, in conclusion, authoritative leadership is not contradictory to sacrificial service. Mm-hmm. You must understand the relationship between these two things to be a man... And, and I think you'll find that the relationship is actually quite simple. Right. Sacrificial service produces the foundation for authority, respect, and sound leadership. Mm-hmm. To be a man, you must have both. Right. You can't ask for authority. You can't expect respect. Mm-hmm. You can't expect uh, submission from right. those under your authority. Even right. if you have legitimate authority, if you aren't willing to make those sacrifices. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. those sacrifices provide the basis for that authority. Mm-hmm. Jesus says it plainly right here. Destroy this temple, crucify me, right. and I'll raise it again in three days. Right. He's explaining, because I'm making this sacrifice, I have this authority exactly. to come in here and wreck the temple. Right. So, so what are you doing that gives you the authority 
uh, gives you the basis for mm -hmm. respect. Don't don't expect it, <laughs> right? Unless you've earned it, right? Do you have anything to add there, Isaac? Well, I mean, simply, it's two sides of the same cross, right? The the cross is yes, Jesus took on our sins and he mm -hmm. died for us, but he also defeated death right. and he defeated Satan, mm -hmm. and that he is king, right? right? So the cross is at the same time a sign of his mercy, but also a sign of his yeah. victory. Yeah, and I mean, it's. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So with that, yeah. the slightly long indubitable, we're moving right into our four cents. Uh, in our four cents, we're primarily going to be talking about the rise of victimhood mm -hmm. um, because it's one of the great erosions of masculinity in right. modern culture. So we've discussed how poor training in masculinity in the church has led to an epidemic of pansy useless boys in the place right. of men throughout the church. In in our four cents, we're going to delve into the ramifications for Western culture that yeah. this has produced. Yeah. Um, the church ought to lead culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's there's no avoiding there's no avoiding that. Right. Um, it's just are we doing a good job? Well, obviously not. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what has that produced? I I'm gonna start here with a, a brief concept. Uh, which is uh, stated simply, if you're unhappy with who you are, what you've accomplished, and what your position in life is, the safe assumption is that it's your fault. Right. So if something's wrong and you're wrong with you, mm -hmm. uh, you're not, you know, you know you're not uh, as high in, a, in as high of a status as you right. think you would like to be. You're not working the job you want to be working. You're not mm -hmm. married. You're not these things. The right. safe, the safe assumption is always that's your problem. Yeah, and, and that's not to not to say that there aren't external circumstances right. that make right. life more difficult. But shut up and be a man. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. Isaac, what's your what's your thought on that? Well, I think that uh, I would just reinforce it with saying that envy is a very strong laxative and deterrent. Um, envy... What do you mean by laxative? <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, it, it keeps you tied down to one spot. Um, and, <laughs> oh, <I see. laughs> and, hey, it's a call. It's a call forward to our toilet talk, right? I mean, if we're good, if that's going to be a theme, and it has been a recurring one. Anyway, that's actually a really but, incredible analogy, and not to harp on harp on this too much. But uh, Karis and I were talking through the script last night, and she was like, "What does Isaac mean by envy is?" is a laxative and I was like I don't know but I feel like it's going to be funny but not only was it funny it's actually an incredibly useful analogy because it is true that w when you're envious mm -hmm. it it actually cripples your ability yeah um, and and to me this seems like a, a, a really basic principle mm -hmm. but the operating principle of Western culture is if I'm unhappy dissatisfied or lower status than I want to be it's everyone else's fault for being better than me and they all ought to ruin their lives right. in order to make me feel better about right. myself. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people who uh, I would classify as being in this situation mm. uh, or holding that belief would say, oh, that's extreme. That's not what I think. Right. Well, we're going to explain and flush out exactly why that is what they think. Yeah. Whether, yeah. Or, not, like whether or not they admit it. Here are some examples. The first is uh, dissatisfied women and feminism. Mm. So... One of the operating principles of feminism is the belief that men who act like men make it more difficult for women to compete in the workplace. Right. Right? And I think this argument is, is true. Um, 
that doesn't mean I think it matters. Right. So <laughs> just because I think it's true that men acting like men make it harder for women to compete mm-hmm. in the workplace, that doesn't mean that I think it's something that men should change. Right. Just wanted to make that clear. According, according to a study performed by three psychologists published in 2011, it was based in part on research done in 1994 and 2001, quote, women are often found to be more agreeable than men. This means that women, on average, are more nurturing, tender-minded, and altruistic mm-hmm. more often and to a greater extent than men, unquote. Right. So, women are more agreeable than men. What this means is, in the workplace, women are less likely to be focused on their personal goals and interests and more likely to be focused on what other people need from them. Right. Interestingly, these traits are exactly what you need to be a mother mm-hmm. and exactly what you don't need to be a good CEO. <laughs> right. So instead of demanding that men emasculate themselves so that you can compete with them, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe women should reconsider whether they're pursuing their highest and best use. Yeah. I may have hit that a little on the nose. What do you think, Isaac? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, recently, I mean, this is literally just repeating what you, <laughs> you already covered, but... In the last fifty years, mm-hmm. right? We've we've allowed the roles of men and women to conflate, yeah. and we're we're wanting women to do men's jobs mm-hmm. and the other way around. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, just like you said, we want equal outcome, right. but that's not at all what we were designed to do. And to to try to um, measure all of humanity with the same measuring stick seems mm-hmm. ridiculous to me. Yeah, um, that's not what we are uh, designed to do um, because we have completely different functions from women, mm-hmm. and we have completely different traits and physical abilities and talents. And to try to say yes, this this man who thinks he's a woman can compete with women at the Olympics <laughs> is radically unfair, right. genuinely unfair, because women are being measured by something that this man can excel at. Right. Um, just because physically more gifted than they are. Yeah. And and so I yeah I think it's yeah. just stop denying biological differences. Right. Stop stop denying. You know that it's it's so funny to me that those who cry out for science science and mm-hmm. only science are the most idiotic people on planet mm-hmm. Earth when it comes to what science actually reveals to us. Right. Right. Because science tends to reveal things to us. That those people don't want to believe, mm-hmm. and so, and so here they are saying, "You need to." I don't believe anything unless science proves it. Right. But also, there are no biological differences between men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> rabbit trails. But me. it's good. It's good. Um, I, I want to pause here while we're on the topic of feminists <laughs> to talk about male feminists. What is the motivation for subserviating and emasculating yourself and rejecting those biological mm-hmm. differences that God built into every man and woman? The answer is simple. The male feminist knows that he has no hope in hell of competing with a man who still has his balls for the opportunity to obtain a woman for himself. So the only way to compete is to grovel at the feet of every female in the hopes that some woman will find his subservience and Weasley tactics attractive. Spoiler alert, they never will. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that that's a little off topic, but... Yeah. Oh, it is an interesting point, though. I mean, because uh, you see so many men agreeing with 
this the feminism movement, mm-hmm. and you have to wonder why. And I think this could be a good explanation for it, because um, a lot of guys just want to get the girl right. and try to do it in a very um, what they think is the best route, but really it's a a, a shortcut to right. a woman that you do not want to obtain. Right. Um, so I I actually think that that's pretty insightful. So yeah, nice one. I it I think it's also interesting to note that these male feminists, what what they're recognizing by taking this tactic mm-hmm. is that there are hierarchies and differences, right. not only between the two genders, but between men and women mm-hmm. uh, in and of themselves. So right. you're, you're going to have higher quality, more intelligent, more capable, stronger men. Mm-hmm. And it's the guys at the bottom of that chain that realize they can't compete with the guys at the right. top of the chain. Right. They can't compete with guys who make three times as much money as, as they do mm-hmm. that have the uh, asset of providing security to a woman. Right. They, they can't compete with that. They can't compete with, uh, say, a stronger man. They can't compete with uh, a masculine man. Right. And so they're recognizing by taking this behavior that there are differences between people. Right. And yet mm-hmm. those are the people that preach to us that everybody is equal. Right. That there are no differences. That there are no differences. Right. But, but notice that even as they're preaching that there are no differences between people, they're doing that because they're worse than everybody else. Right. They're the pathetic ones. Mm. And so they're incentivized to say, oh, everybody's equal. We have to treat everybody right. equally because they know they can't compete. Right. They know that everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And so they say, oh, everybody is the same huh. so that they can try to pull everybody down to their level. It's the exact same thing that the commies, the male feminists, the mm-hmm. leftists, everybody, they're doing the same thing. Right. They're they're recognizing that there are hierarchies and there have to be hierarchies mm-hmm. built into reality in order for society to function. Right. But they don't like being at the bottom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that little rabbit yeah. trail. Thanks for that, Isaac. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> oh, that's on me. <laughs> you drove that. <laughs> oh, man. You, you started it. I'm, just, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Let's talk about social justice warriors. So just okay. to, uh, I, we went on a bit of a ramble. Yeah. So uh, to get back on track, we're we're talking about the operating principle of Western mm-hmm. culture. Right. That is, if I'm unhappy, if I'm dissatisfied or lower status than I want to be, it's everyone else's fault for being right. better than me. So the first example we talked about was dissatisfied women mm-hmm. and feminism, male feminism, etc. Um. The second example of this we're going to talk about is is social justice warriors. Mm. So if you're a social justice warrior, your operating principle is that everyone else has created a society that is specifically designed to oppress you. Mm -hmm. Either that or you bear such a load of guilt for your white skin and your thick allowance checks that your only solace is proclaiming your guilt to the world. Right. Victimhood has arisen in modern Western culture for the same reason that male male feminists exist. Mm -hmm. Useless people, we just talked about this, but useless people claim victimhood and oppression because they're incapable of competing in the workplace with people who take responsibility for their own lives, live consistently and honestly with their principles, Mm -hmm. and make no excuses for their failures. Incidentally, what I just described, personal responsibility, principled decision making, and refusal to make excuses, is now defined as white supremacy. Why? Because in order to climb their way to the top, Social justice warriors, feminists, commies, commies, and losers all must only succeed in one area. 
they must make everyone else guilty mm-hmm. for their success, drag everyone down to their level, and see society burn before they lift a finger to improve their own lot. Right. So here's my response <laughs> to all this. I will not and I will never apologize for my salary or my net worth. I will not apologize for my skin color. I will not apologize for my abilities and skill set. But here's what I will do. I will thank God every day for blessing me with a beautiful wife, for blessing me with wealth, for blessing me with the ability to prosper and improve my lot in this world. That's what I'll do. I'm not going to be guilty for it, though. Right. I'm going to be grateful. Be grateful for what you've got, even if it's not much. Right. Amen. I mean, you just explained... I mean, we're, we're talking about the operating principle of Western culture now, mm-hmm. but you just described the one of the foundational principles that America was founded on mm. and what they wanted and what they right. desired. And I, I think that was, uh, it's a, a very stark contrast to what mm. we have now in today's culture. Yeah. It's, it's a huge loss. We've, we've fallen quite far mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's much to be regained. Yeah. So lots of work to be done. Yeah. So the, these operating principles we've discussed, which can be summed up as those oppressing me and making me a victim are the problem, not me, and mm. you must apologize if you're better than me, are, these are not only sinful, but they're impractical. Right. Let me explain why. Uh, let's begin by clearing up what the purpose of less leftist, social justice warriors, feminists, commies, commies and a lot really is. What are they trying to accomplish? They are, as a general rule, attempting, attempting to accomplish equality of outcome. Mm-hmm. They want everyone to either get the same thing for different amounts of effort, or they want everyone who's better than them to pretend they aren't so they su- can succeed in comparison, right. or they want to take from their betters to fulfill their wishes. Right. It's, all, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to envy as laxative. It's something that... Uh, you don't want to work for, but you really want it, so you're yeah. just going to take it. Right. Instead of actually working your butt off to get there. Yeah. So, that, well, here's the reason why all that doesn't work. Here's mm-hmm. why that ideology doesn't work. It's not only sinful, it's right. not only wrong, you're not only breaking multiple Ten Commandments at the same mm-hmm. time, but you're not going to get anywhere with it. Right. It's not going to do any good. I saw a meme the other day um, that was... Uh, Danny DeVito wearing a dress and uh, the caption was something like uh, leftists when they uh, obtain the means of production and then Danny DeVito the the subtitle is and then I started eating garbage (laughs) and it's not as it's not as funny when when I'm trying to explain it it's it's a quality meme maybe Isaac will will find it for us and (laughs) post it somewhere but Here's the, here's the problem. If everyone becomes equally gifted, which is impossible, but let's pretend otherwise. I'll just, I'll just grant that argument. Right. Everyone could become equally gifted. The problem is nothing would ever happen without the differences between men and women, without the more and less intelligent, without the more and less strong, without differentiating hierarchies, society would not only be boring, but it would be a cesspool and everything accomplished by the exceptional would not exist. There would be no cars, Mm -hmm. there would be no airplanes, there would be no electricity, there would be no washing machines, there would be no solar panels, Mm -hmm. there would be no internal combustion engine, there would be no turbine engine, there would be no 
uh, soft closed drawers in your <laughs> kitchen because someone would have to succeed beyond other people's abilities right. to invent and they would have to be rewarded beyond the average man's pay in order to be motivated to do something truly incredible. Right. The only permissible activities would be the activities that the lowest common denominator is capable of mm -hmm. in an equal society. Yeah. If, if there's no incentive to do something great, nothing great would ever happen. True. No buildings would be yeah. built. No sewer systems would be created. Nothing. Yeah. The leftists ultimate conclusion is nothing but hopelessness, death, and destruction. So shut up. Put your sign down. Stop blathering nonsense in social media and go learn what it means to work hard. Mm -hmm. Stop comparing yourself to those around you and begin comparing yourself to who you were yesterday. And more importantly, begin comparing yourself to Christ. Right. As Benjamin Franklin put it, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Amen. You have anything to wrap up there, Isaac? Or no, let's move on. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil that. That's good. <laughs> well, we're going to roll right into toilet talk. The, Finally, the envy laxative toilet. Talk. <laughs> have you been sitting on the toilet this whole time? <laughs> it's a long time to be sitting on the toilet. That's all I got to be saying. <laughs> so my my tip is is just trying to bring this all back home. Mm. Uh, trying to tie this whole episode together because. We started this episode talking right. about the failures of the church mm -hmm. in training men to be men, and we spent our four cents detailing the consequences of that failure right. uh, exemplified by modern culture. Nice. And that, that kind of separated the problem from home. It separated the mm -hmm. problem from us, right. from me, from you, from all of, all of us men. And so I want to tie everything back together. Um, remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28. Uh, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, he tells us to go and disciple the nations. Right. right. So, and on top of that, he says, surely I am with you always mm -hmm. to the end of the age. So do not despair. Don't give up. Yep. Life sucks and then you die, but yeah. It's <laughs> no. Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> sorry. So don't give up. Mm -hmm. Don't despair. Go and change the world. The best way to do that is by changing yourself. Right. Become like Christ so that through you he might he may work into this earth the glory that he has promised his creation. Right. You and I are the problem with this world and you and I by the grace of God alone are also the solution. Amen. So never forget that. Yeah. Begin with the looking at the man in the mirror. Right? Yeah. Um so my my uh, tip is pretty simple and built off of what Kip was just saying. Uh, but better yourself, but do it steadily. Know that it's not a sprint because we are inculcated in a culture of envy and we do just want to get to the finish line as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a very sanctifying principle that you aren't going to get where you want to go quickly, normally, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be, it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. You have to plot away, right? Mm -hmm. To e e echo Pastor Wilson, it's all about just doing the little thing every single day until you get really good at it. 
Yeah. And so my, my tip would just be focus on bettering yourself, but also steal yourself for a very long journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely true. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Don't give up and don't, don't try to change everything right. overnight because yeah. you'll just get discouraged and take a healthy step back. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, uh, before we sign off, if you've listened to us for this long, mm-hmm. uh, we, we hope you're interested in what we've had to say. Yeah. If so, please feel free to share this show with your friends. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts and join our Discord channel to chat with us about these things. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and with that, for the cut and the dry on the Life Given Radio, this is Kip and Isaac signing off.